again everyone welcome back to another episode of cranked and ranked and welcome to the second in a three-part ranking of judas priest um if you were with us last time we covered the uh the lower third of the discography which was uh album 18 through album 13 and now we're going to be doing the middle um, which I guess would be considered the least interesting <laughs> of the bunch <laughs> because it's not bad, it's not great, it's just okay. And uh, so, yeah, we're doing 12 through 7 today. And uh, I'm Steven, as usual, and with me, uh, as always, is my trusty confidant, uh, Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. How's it going? It's, it's it's great. That was that was kind of sexy. You're just like, hey, how's it going? It was. <laughs> I got I got to inject a little. Um, I got to inject a little sauce into the meh part of the discography. <laughs> That's true. We're gonna try to sauce this up as much as we can, folks. Um, so yeah. Um, so this this is one of those things where I do I do believe that um, because there's so many albums and they're from so many different areas of of history and music that um starting with this episode is a bad idea so why don't you go back and start with episode one <laughs> because <laughs> because we're not ranking them by period this is we're all over the place here and um yeah so not not much else to say you got anything to to to, to add before we jump into this one just gotta say like you said that this is probably one of the most over um no, sorry. Uh, cho- choosing my words here already. I'm off to a great start. I, I'll see, edit I, that out. I, I, <laughs> I used up all of my. I used up all of my energy on that sexy. How's it going at the start? <laughs> um, now, yeah, I was just going to say that I've completely lost my train of thought, and I'm going to hand it back over to you. <laughs> they had. They had to beat them to death with their, their own, own shoes. shoes. <laughs> um, you started. You sounded like him for a second. Yeah, that's what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so all right. Well, yeah. Let's let's just get started. We're starting with our number twelves. Um, so yeah, I don't. There's there's no way to give any context context of where we are. You'll have to listen to the first part. So if you were there last time, welcome back, and let's jump into it. What is your number twelve, sir? Okay, so uh, this is a com- controversial kind of pick because this al- this album tends to find itself at the bottom spot for a lot of people including you and I've <laughs> gone for uh, Demolition uh the second Tim Ripper Owens album yeah that um, was my that was my dead last album for those of you who weren't <laughs> listening <laughs> and like I-, I do agree with you on like there are some moments like the um fucking like what is it Cyberface with the, with the <laughs> mega yeah. bite line yeah. Be- yeah. beware his mega bite <laughs> i just i was at work thinking about it and and envisioning myself in the room with you when you just turned around and went oh fuck off I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it just came out of me sometimes i don't know if it's Tourette's but sometimes things <laughs> annoy me so much that i have to let off steam somehow <laughs> 
sometimes sometimes it just happens but um yeah i found that you know i tend to like this not so much in the lyrics but even though judas priest isn't renowned for lyrics sometimes they've had some they've had some pretty cheeseball lines throughout their career but Mm -hmm. um you know i will say i do like the aggressiveness of the songwriting even though it does feel a little bit toned back from jugulator it feels like they tried to do jugulator again but gear it more slightly more in a radio direction but um i'm just gonna go into my track by track so cool it starts off with machine man you know kind of a badass aggressive opening track you know i I quite like this one um one-on-one it's this chugging mid-tempo metal track gotta say i i do like his voice you know i feel like the ripper era tends to get you know kind of shit on just because it's not rob halford and you know you you even look at spotify and things like that you know barring the total deletion of the album it's been pretty much um (laughs) erased from the timeline apart from like album rankings and stuff um well, yeah. I mean, you have to give him some credit, though, because I do think with a vocalist like Rob Halford, anyone who replaced him wasn't going to get the best reception, I don't think. I don't care who it was. They could have put Dio in the band, and I think people still would have been like, ah, he just doesn't have what, what we're looking for. Yeah, you got to think as well, like, when Sabbath replaced Ozzy with Dio, it had only been about 10 years. By the time... You know, Ripper came on board. Halford had been in the band for what, like thirty, thirty something years. Well, like, their first their first album was in seventy four, and uh, then pa- Painkiller was ninety. So, I mean, I'm I'm gonna round it up, but he'd been in there for for two decades. Yeah. So that's quite a while. Yeah. So you know, obviously, yeah, and and Rob Halford being such a unique voice in not only range but tone as well you know when you hear rob halford you know that's fucking rob halford so uh filling those boots would be a tremendous task for for anyone enlisted to replace him but um yeah you get hella's home this slow grooving song I, i i like it um it's probably this could be a generational thing I, I, don't, I don't know whether it's not. I quite like... I don't adore the production on here, but I think it fits the the songwriting here. Um, Jekyll and Hyde, it's, it's just, like, produced to be a modern, aggressive um, metal album. Because, really, if you look at their 70s stuff, it's not... You know, it's not the aggressive stuff that they would go on to do later, you know, especially painkiller and onward. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely, I I know it's, it's not the nicest thing to say about Judas priest, but they seem like a band that is, has easily been steered one direction or another by something, Um, whether trends or expectations of them. um, I just feel like it's a thing where this makes sense for them because they seem like a band that the times change or there's, different expectations and they just go all right well we'll do this and and they do it just fine you know it's like on its own it's not a bad album it's 
it's just a bad Judas Priest album, in my opinion. <laughs> they really are um, a band that went with the times. You know, they yeah. weren't they weren't really swimming against the tide at any point in their career. You know, um, but you know, regardless of how popular the albums were, but yeah, you get. Did I say uh, Jekyll and Hyde? It's I think like, you just got there. Yeah, it's this album does feel like a slightly more radio friendly version of jugulator to me you know it's got that heaviness there but it's easier more accessible in structure so yeah you get close to you a ballad a powerful one to its credit but uh you know obviously i'm i'm giving this album the benefit of the doubt i haven't given it many repeat listens but it didn't it didn't offend me really as as a as a priest fan i was just kind of there like yeah this is like you know aggressive and heavy and i i suppose it could be that i was just in that mood when i listened to it and i probably listened to it more from the idea of it being a aggressive metal album rather rather than uh, a judas priest album which yeah especially with a different vocalist is easy to do because you kind of forget at points that it is Judas Priest. And yeah. that's probably what, you know, makes a lot of people put it lower. But, um, yeah, Devil Digger. I, I did like Devil Digger. You know, it's this grooving, mean metal song. Uh, Bloodsuckers, up-tempo, mean metal song again. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I was, I was impressed with the aggressiveness that they managed to maintain, even though they... they toned back the you know really out there stuff of jugulator but um you know that you can tell that they are competing with their contemporaries at this point um in between you get a groove metal song uh feed on me keeps the aggressive metal vibe going you know i like i, I do like it um subterfuge really heavy but you can definitely hear some new metal influence on this one you know some moments on it even reminded me of corn <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. you know i was just waiting for ripper to start you know scatting over the top <laughs> i mean this is this is 2001 so it's like that that wave of the the new metal was was it hadn't died out yet it was still going pretty strong oh yeah um for some bands anyway yeah, I, it was it was definitely that slightly more polished part of the new metal era, but it was still very much alive at that time. Uh, you get Lost and Found, Ballad Track. You know, Ripper is actually channeling some Lane Staley on that song. I I I could hear, uh, and then you get your favorite Cyberface. <laughs> <laughs> um, which yeah, I'll agree. The lyrics bad <laughs> but um it, it was this like psychedelic plodder it sounded pretty evil and epic sounding and i kind of liked it for that and then finally you get metal messiah which is yeah. you know another clearly new metal influenced track but with this slightly psychedelic edge at points and a anthemic chorus but yeah it, it it's definitely not their best but uh I liked it a little bit more than you did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, several albums more than I did. Apparently, <laughs> a whole episode. Um, it's it, it's important to also note that that um, so before I get into my uh, number twelve, uh, for those of you who've decided to jump in midway, um, I 
uh, am not a, a very big Judas Priest fan, and I it didn't I wasn't really familiar with most of their albums as as a whole, and so what I did was went through and listened to all of them in order, and um, kind of just took myself on the the Judas Priest journey. And um, I, I keep saying Judas Priest. But I, keep putting, <laughs> I keep putting a T after Judas. I don't know what my problem is. Shit. <laughs> Edit that out. Um, but uh, so when I got to Demolition, that's, that was my, and I think that's probably part of my mindset was I, we, I had already heard Jugulator and this is not as good. And I was kind of over this period. I was already like, all right, I, I, I get this. Let's, let's move on to when Rob comes back into the band. Um, do you have anything else to say about, about demolition? No, it's just like, you know, they were dipping their toes into that, um, slightly, you know, much more modernized evolution of the sound they played with on painkiller and jugulator. And, and, and really it's just kind of setting up what they would sound like when Rob comes back, but it's not quite, it's not quite there yet. And that's a great segue because my number 12 is the uh, 2005 album. Nope, nope. It's called Angel of Retribution. (laughs) I don't know what my mouth was about to say, but um, yeah, my number 12 is Angel of Retribution, which is the album right after Demolition where Rob Halford returned to the band. And um, really, I I think it's safe to say at this point in my ranking, there's there's a little bit of shit talking that's going to happen, but for the most part, I, I see a lot of qualities in all the rest of the albums we're going to be talking about. And this one was just a fun one to listen to because I guess having Rob Halford back in the band after, uh, t- was it 10 years or more than 10 years? I think, I think he um, left in 92. Cause that's when fight was, okay, yeah. was starting. So yeah, it's been over 10 years and and it just sounds I mean, Rob Halford sounds great, the band sound great. They just sound like a like a a great band kind of returning home. Like they've they've they're coming back to their sweet spot and I I I guess they're they're vibing off of playing with each other again and um it's just a real it's a great return in my opinion because it's got like a a classic sounding production style and it's it's it went back to what I like about earlier priest albums where there's a variety of songs. It's not all metal, metal, metal. There's, <laughs> there's uh there's different levels of everything. And, um, I think they did it pretty well here. The songwriting feels inspired. It doesn't feel like a band retreating, you know, like, Oh shit, people didn't really like, demolition we better get back and do the shit people like this doesn't really feel like that to me it feels like they missed it like they they were like oh man we 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 used to love playing this music um and now they're back doing it um so and uh and yeah so it's a very strong album um i really do think that um there are a few moments here and there that are not amazing, but um, overall, it's it's all it's all mostly in the second half, where I think the album starts to to fall off a little bit, and that leads me to um, the the only the the gripe that I have that kept this album from being higher is the song Loch Ness, 
which <laughs> finishes up the album because it is 13 minutes long and about three minutes worth of music happens in the <laughs> fucking <laughs> song. And so that gets, it's good because it's just repetitive. The riff sounds like a leftover Black Sabbath riff and it's just plotting and even the chorus does not deliver it's just it's if somebody said oh there's a metal song about loch ness my brain would immediately go what does it sound like loch ness loch ness it's a, and that's what the fucking song is it's just <laughs> it's real bad and i didn't realize how bad it was until i realized that they would take that idea and then make an entire fucking album of loch ness <laughs> called nostradamus <laughs> and so I really think that it kills the end of this album because other than that, my gripes are really small. It is, it's, a, it's a very strong return to form, and um, that, I guess that's why it's here. It's at the, the lower half of the middle is <laughs> <It's> where <laughs> Angel of Retribution lies. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's basically all I got about this one. Fair enough. I will say I, I like parts of Loch Ness, and I feel like it could have been it epic uh-huh. closing track if they chopped off about seven minutes of its runtime <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> yeah it could have it could have been this huge just sabbath style epic you know chorus kind of thing with doom riffs all over it but it just kind of ended up being this very good thing that was drawn out way too long and the length of it i agree does hinder it because it makes it a commitment to listen to rather than a rather than a choice <laughs> yeah and it's and it's that i i i hate to bring up the comparison again but you can't escape it i i feel like they were going for something that maiden would have done and they just don't know how to do that yeah, they're they're a great band on their own, but but Maiden Maiden is the band that can do a thirteen minute song at the end of an album, and you feel like it fits right in. Yeah, um, and you don't feel like it's wasting your time. But in this case, I just I just don't think I don't think that they're that band, and so um, that's why I guess I don't know. It just it it seems like it drags the album down. Cool. Um, so that's Angel of Retribution for you. Yep. Okay, cool. So coming in at number 11 for me, I went for Sin After Sin. Oh, okay. So this one for me stands apart uh, in between the two uh, more talked about albums that it sits between. Because generally speaking, as with regards to their 70s stuff, people tend to talk about uh, Sad Wings of Destiny and stained class a lot you know yeah sad wings generally being for metal as a whole and stained class having more of an influence on speed metal but this album for me somehow sounds beefier than the album that came before it and the album that came after it you know there's there's more low end in the production it's got way more just guts to it and I feel like Stained Class could have been much higher if it just wasn't so trebly and and lacking in, you know, some low end. Because, you know, when it comes to that album, I love the songs, but the production makes it a bit of a chore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why it was... That's why those two albums were back in the previous episode. Um, 
Put your pitchforks down. I don't hate them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the production of the 70s, I feel like the kind of dry sound they went for, um, it didn't really do their kind of massive sound when they would play it live any justice. So that's why if you're a fan of their 70s songs but don't like the 70s production check out unleashed in the east that's a great live album but i'm not talking about unleashed in the east i'm talking about <laughs> sin after sin so yeah we didn't we didn't add any live albums or anything else because we're already dealing with 18 fucking albums here <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be like a four-parter if we add in the fucking <laughs> yeah. live records um but yeah uh sin after sin just wait until wait until we do the rolling stones <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> um so beginning with Sinner, you get this up-tempo rocker, strong, really strong opening track. The chorus is excellent, and the solo is fucking astonishing. And it really shows that, you know, three albums in, they've not only changed their style to a more metal sound, but they've also beefed out that metal sound. Mm. Um so yeah, that opening track, and then you get Diamonds and Rust, which is a which is a cover. I forget who did the original. It's a Joan Baez song. That's the one, and uh, which yeah. I didn't even know that when I when I heard this the first time because I listened to these albums cold, like I didn't read about them, and I was like, oh, that's cool. That's a cool song. And then later on, I went and read. I was like, holy shit, that's a folk song. Yeah, <laughs> Joan Baez is known for folky stuff, and so it's interesting that they took that song and made it so cool you know yeah and it's and it's cool to mention as well because live they play it totally differently or at least mm -hmm. nowadays they play it like a real slow stripped back kind of ballad but um yeah great song is it's one of the first judas priest songs i actually heard um and then you get track three fucking Starbreaker, mm -hmm. which is a song that i cannot believe i forgot about which is really fucking good the the chorus in that and the riff underneath it my god that shows where they were headed um and then you get last last rose of summer <laughs> which mm -hmm. is a smooth ballad that comes seemingly out of fucking nowhere but that's just 70s judas priest i guess you know still experimenting with what they can you know kind of do i mean on the previous album they tried to do like a frank sinatra meets queen kind of thing with uh fucking what's it called prelude or epitaph i can't remember what it's called i, I don't either yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. in this case with this with last rose of summer like in this like like, like to in my opinion there is not a bad song on this album yeah, um, it's a good and, one. and so i think that i love it when they bring in these different feels and vibes in their music especially on an album like this where they um the songwriting is just top notch in my opinion yeah agreed um i will say the uh part that i will say it's kind of similar to loch ness with the two minutes of kind of jamming around the same thing at the end though could have been yeah. a little shorter like they uh -huh. could have faded out before the second minute of that <laughs> like hey they're but, trying to, at, at this point they're, they're you do albums one year apart and you're trying everything you can to make the motherfucker 40 minutes or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, but yeah. Um, and then you get uh, Let Us Pray uh, slash Call for the Priest. You know, someone's been listening to Queen. Uh, you know, that the intro is pure Brian May. And mm-hmm. when it kicks in, it's this excellent speed metal track. And everybody talks about Exciter as like the genesis of speed metal. But this song came before it and it's got some pretty great double kick in it. Yeah, yeah. I, I do I really do think that compare comparing those two albums, this one and and um Stay in Class, like uh, this is a superior album to me. And yeah. not to give anything away about where it's gonna end up for me, but um <laughs> this this album is they were already molding a, a, a very good firm idea of where they were going at this point for sure yeah and uh then you get raw deal which is just riff i totally forgot about the quality of songs on this record i haven't mm-hmm. listened to it in a long time and then when i went back and revisited it for this series i thought jesus christ this slab of gold has just been hiding away in my like music collection for me to rediscover and you know this is probably you know my one of my biggest rediscoveries as of as of doing this series yeah. because i it it just really reminded me actually this record is fucking awesome um mm-hmm. then you get here come the tears this slow vibey ballad it's got a great s- solo in it and then we have a song that would later go on to be covered by slayer I think is this the first time we've met a song that we've technically covered before? Yeah. In this series because Yeah. Yeah, because this actually we we talked about the Slayer version in the Slayer podcasts. Um but yeah, this is the original. And, and just um, and just like Diamonds and Rust on this album when I first heard Dissident Aggressor on south of heaven i thought it was a slayer song i thought they were just taking a little bit of a turn for one song so um yeah there you go and it is a great closing track covered yeah. by slayer you know 11 years later on the album south of heaven and it's also got one of the highest notes that rob halford ever hit in that opening scream that you know yeah that insane harmony that's like fucking way up here (laughs) and like god i remember the first time i heard it i was like is that is that real is this yeah like i was (laughs) like real life yeah is this is this real life (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's uh it's a great album and uh Mm -hmm. yeah you know the the production really does show to me how uh the other 70s albums could have sounded, which is, you know, kind of a shame for, for some of the other records. And, you know, I could kind of forgive the previous two albums before it, but when Stained Class stepped back from that and has a much thinner trebly kind of thing going on, it's kind of disheartening to hear, you know, such a classic album. You know, p- perhaps maybe if I fucked about with the EQ on my stereo, I might be able to get a bit more chunkiness out of it but uh yeah it's it's certainly stained class certainly an album that suffers but this one does not which is why it is higher up than the two albums that bookend it so yeah (laughs) and and but I, i and i do think that it's unfortunate so like this period of music you're talking about 70s into the 80s 
when a lot of these classic bands were releasing an album a year, you know, mm. and it makes me think that sometimes these albums were, were rushed because you had to finish. So you had to write an album, then get into the studio and record the album and mix the album. So you could go out on tour. And so it seems like, you know, sometimes it was just the luck of the draw. It could be a, a great producer, but something goes wrong and all of a sudden we got to get an album out and the mix isn't what we want. And so I feel, I feel for the bands back then because I'm pretty sure even, even the Judas Priest guys were, you know, for this album, they were probably pretty proud of it. And then stay in class, you know, the, the, the strength of the songs was there, but the production wasn't. But I, I have a feeling that it was almost like a, you had to settle, you know, like, all yeah. right, well, we, we got to head out on tour again, you know, so... For sure, that's just the, one of those one of the pitfalls of '70s album releasing. Totally, yeah. But you know, it's just such a they really they really hit it out of the park with sin after sin. I I agree. I agree so much that I will have to tell you that that album is not in this episode. Wow! <laughs> hey, it is in the next episode. <laughs> Not to give anything away, but I, but you know, whatever. We'll forget about it by the time we get to that episode. <laughs> um, my, uh, what, what am I at? Number number eleven? Is this eleven? Yes. Yeah. Um, my number eleven uh, almost was way higher, and it's not because of any fault of the album. It, about I'll I'll get into that in a second, but. Uh, my number 11 is the most recent album, Firepower, from 2018. Cool. And um, this is a really good album. Like, yeah. I, when, it ca- when it came out, I'm, I'm not a, a Priest fan, so I didn't really check it out. I, I think I probably heard a song, and I went, all right, that's pretty good, but I, did, I didn't dive in to check it out. Uh, but listening to the whole thing... Um, if this was their last album, then this would be a hell of an album to go out on. It's really, it's really good. The the production is much better than the album prior to it, in my opinion. And um, like like out of the gate, like the song "Firepower" is fucking great. But then it goes into like I I could just read the the track listing. Like I think every song on here has something in it where I went, oh, that's pretty fucking cool. And to this album's credit. The songs that I remember being the ones that I liked the most are on the second half of the album. So like, yeah. uh, I, I love Flamethrower, and I think Trader's Gate was another one that I was really into. And it's just that's that says a lot for an album where you, you know you don't have all of those strong songs loaded in the front end. And re- on this album, like I have to say, I I know this is the. There's a different guitar player on this, right? Richie Faulkner? Yeah, he's also on um, Redeemer of Souls. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we, well that, screw that album <laughs> compared <laughs> to this one. Um, but because uh, it, it really sounds... This sounds like an album where these dudes de-aged 20 years. Like it, it has a lot of energy and it, it's just a really, really fun listen. And it's... Um, uh, like I, I'll, I say this, I said it a lot on the last episode and it'll come up probably here and there, but Judas Priest, as good as Glenn Tipton and what's the other dude's name, other original guitar player? K.K. Downing. K.K. Downing. As good as those guys are at playing guitar and amazing lead guitar players, they write some real generic riffs 
every once in a while. Yeah. And this album does have some generic riffs. Now, it's weird saying this because I feel like I'm nitpicking, but other uh, on the other hand, I feel like I'm not. Because there's all these metal bands out today. Thrash metal bands, speed metal bands, whether they're whether they're trying to be more modern or they're trying to uh, have a throwback kind of thing. They all use these recycled sounding riffs. And mm. so there's a part of me that goes, am I, am I being too critical? Because if, if a riff sounds like a riff, I've heard 10 other bands play, then I, I shouldn't just let it go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I shouldn't be okay with that. But that, that being said about this album, um, Everything seems to be played with such, such conviction that it doesn't bother me. I don't care that a riff seems like one that could have been pulled from some other album 10, 20 years ago. Um, it's an album that's, the, that's just uh, it's, it's, it's good all the way through. Um, it's very well done. I would say it is the best of the second era of Rob Halford uh, yeah. albums. It's a very strong album. Um, the, my only real gripe about it is that it's longer than I would like. Like I like my albums to be 45 minutes long. This one's pushing an hour. And even though none of the songs are bad, um, even the best album when it's an hour, I'm just kind of like, all right. I, I, you know, I already have my opinion of this album now. I've already jotted all my notes. I kind of know where it's going to go in the list when I'm ranking the albums and I'm like two more songs. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, that being said, if it's, if it's an hour's worth of strong material, how can you really argue with that? So that's why fire <laughs> power five, man, what is, I don't, it's, it, it's not just this podcast. It's like recently <laughs> doing videos and stuff. My brain like g- is going faster than my mouth. And so I'll, <laughs> I, 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 I really think my old age is finally catching up to me and, and my brain's not firing the way it's supposed to, but fire power. Speaking of that, um, yeah, my number 11. I just want to chime in and say, I don't think it's an age thing because I have been making some real fucking flubs recently <laughs> in just conversations I've had with people. <laughs> and it could just be down to, it could just be down to the fact that it's 2020 and I think it's all getting to us now. <laughs> yeah, our, our brains are rebelling. Yeah, we're like, this is crap. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, cool. So where am I at? I'm at number 10. Number 10. We have reached the top ten. Hell yeah! Our our top tens of Judas Priest. So I'm gonna kick it off with the album with two names. Oh, and that, okay. And that is Hellbent for Leather slash Killing Machine. Yeah. Now, upon the original release of this album, um, the U.S. were hesitant to call it Killing Machine on account of a recent shooting that had happened in the media and they really didn't want that kind of, you know, publicity. <laughs> so they said, hey, l- let's just change it to Hellbent for Leather. It's another good song on the album. It'll work. Um, both both are great album titles, in my opinion. So Oh, f- oh for sure, yeah. And, you know, even, even the artwork fits both names and... It's just a really... This is my favorite album of their 70s era. Um, They took everything they'd done to date, thickened it out, and dressed it in leather and studs, and generally perfected 
what they were building up to in the 70s. You know, mm-hmm. they've done four albums with distinctly different productions and s- styles. And then here they were like, ah, we're a metal band now. <laughs> so it's it's kind of yeah. like, they were like, ah, well, we're just going to borrow our leather and studs imagery from the yeah. S&M clubs that Rob Halford <laughs> would frequent. And uh, yeah, basically. I, I, I really I really do think that, that that's why, to me, there's a big chunk of albums in the late 70s and early 80s from Judas Priest where um, it feels like they're they're not that different from each other. It's almost like they're taking different stabs at doing this thing that they're doing. Like, all yeah. right, that one was pretty good. Let's try it again. You know, and, and this was one where clearly they, they nailed it. I mean, it's got a lot of good tracks on it. I'd say this album, to me, is a much better version of what British Steel is, Yeah, in, in my opinion. It, it's more ballsy, it's more experimental, and it's and it's it's more so trying to just be a metal album than be a metal album that sells you know uh, yeah i could i could see that you don't you don't have a break in the law or a uh living after midnight on it yeah that being said though i'm going to go into my track by track and there's a few moments on here that really stand out to me um so yeah i'm just going to get it going so uh track 1 Delivering the goods, good lord, fucking great song. One yeah. of one of the beefiest choruses in their entire discography. You That's know, what that, I was saying last time about how they they have a lot of albums where the first track is just a ripper right out of the gate. Definitely. You know, now I come to think of it, I, I'm I'm trying to think of a Judas Priest album that doesn't start well. Yeah, they they tend to they tend to shoot their load on track one. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I guess you could say uh, uh, Rockarola. It doesn't really true take take off at the beginning. It's I, I, I like that song, but it's it's not. It doesn't have the same punch. True, true. I feel like um, Victim of Changes could have been even cooler if they didn't fade in the guitars as much. Like yeah. let that lead part play in, but yeah. Back to Delivering the Goods, what a yep. fucking awesome track. And I remember being... It, this is a really obscure story, but I, I'm, I'm going to tell it. It's a weird one. I was in a pub uh, which was right on the beach of... Uh, it was Porth Beach in Newquay, which is um, a big, you know, pretty much... It's Cornwall's answer to Ibiza, but it's not very good but it's there so (laughs) it's got great beaches so um yeah there's this place called the mermaid inn it's it's this blue pub that's like right on the beach and i went in there with a friend of mine we just happened to be at the beach that day and i sat down and they clearly had someone in there playing the music that was a metal fan because like we we were eating this is such a british fucking story we were eating we were eating fish and chips in this pub and um this guy was just absolutely cranking out tune after tune on the jukebox and i think we had throughout our fish and chips we had delivering the goods which was where i realized holy shit they're playing judas priest in this beach pub 
And then we got the Pantera version of Planet Caravan as well. And it was just like this surreal moment where I was like, there's another metalhead somewhere and I need to find out <laughs> yeah. where they are. <laughs> but yeah, delivering the goods. It delivers the goods. It it's, does what it's, it says on the tin. It's the most appropriate title ever. <laughs> Definitely. And um, then we get track two. You know, I said all that about track one. You know, the, the, yeah. this album starts well. Um, Rock Forever, it's not quite as good as the opener, but it, it, Delivering the Goods takes some following. So it's, it's still a good track. Um, Evening Star, you know, blends some pop sensibilities with their late 70s metal sound. Uh, it's a clear shot at a radio song. They were definitely going for that kind of... It's almost like like what we said about um, Living After Midnight. It's like a Kiss song. It's like yeah. definitely going for that um, accessible appeal while still keeping that hard rocking edge to it. Then you get Hellbent for Leather, which is also a fucking fantastic song. Yeah. Um, 70s Priest firing on all cylinders at this point. You know, this would be the US title track. And I actually call this album Hellbent for Leather because this is the album I think of. This is the song I think of when I think of this album even though I know it's called Killing Machine over here and yeah. on streaming as well, I suppose. Um, but yeah, then you get Take On The World. This another one of their anthemic, we've been listening to Queen and we want our own version of We Will Rock You. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess there was a lot of pressure yeah. to, to put out some kind of hit song along with, you know, having a successful album. So... Um, and I mean, they had it in them, obviously. So you know, just yeah. take take a stab at whatever 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 you think might be the thing that connects with the masses. Oh, definitely. And not to say that these tracks are bad. No, I'm uh, just little observations. But you know, these are strong, catchy songs. And then you get um, "Burning Up," which is this sexy disco esque rocker, very 1979. <laughs> um, Green Manalishi with the two pronged crown. I thought it was a badass Fleetwood Mac cover. They did a great job heavying it up. Um, and it's I, I think it's a live staple to this day. They play it a lot, I think. Which I've, which is weird to me because it's it's one it's one of the moments on the album where I go, All right, well this is not I don't I don't think it's great, but it is what it is. Fair. Uh, but then we get the other title track. <laughs> this, album has, <laughs> this album has two title tracks. Um, while it's good, I still refer to the album as Hellbent for Leather, but nonetheless, it's got a nice chuggy groove to it. Uh, and then we've ne- next up, we've got Wicker Man. Ahem! I mean, Running Wild. <laughs> uh, wonder how I mix those ones up. Seriously though, go listen to the to the intros of both of those songs. It's okay. pretty much identical. Um, but yeah, um, great song. Shit, I mean, we have to talk shit about Iron Maiden then. Because it's like that's way that's what is that? How like fifteen years later, <laughs> so, something like that. Yeah. Uh, what would it be? Twenty one? Would it? Yeah, twenty one years. Oh shit! Okay, seventy nine yeah, right. to two thousand. You're right. Holy yeah. shit. But yeah, you know, obviously, there's only so many notes on a fretboard. Some of them are going to sound similar. And, 
you know, it, I love both songs. It uh, wasn't a dig at, uh, at Iron Maiden. Just that was the first thing I thought, and I actually looked to make sure I was still listening to Judas Priest, <laughs> and it hadn't just like automatically shuffled me onto Iron Maiden for some reason. You know, but, it's 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 only fair because several times in their career, Judas Priest tried to be Iron Maiden and didn't do it very well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's only fair that they get to take something from from Priest. <laughs> and you know, it's. It's a great song in keeping with Priest's driving up-tempo biker metal sound that they really went for on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get Before the Dawn, this you know mystical ballad. It's good, but not a standout on an album with so many great driving tracks for me. And then, finally, we get Evil Fantasies. And this album does two styles that land particularly well on this record drivers and groovers Mm -hmm. this one is the latter and it lays down the sleazy stripper riff of the album (laughs) and rob just really lays into those vocals giving off almost like a gene simmons kind of feel at points and i actually wish rob did more of these you know evil fantasies kind of like things going on you know, I, I I enjoy these little these little I don't I don't know what he, what you even call them. It's 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 I guess you know not only him but the band when they show a little bit of their influences that aren't metal. Yeah, it seeps it seeps into performances. I just I think it's super cool. I don't know. I I, I love it. And I I I've, I wish Rob did more of these vocals where he goes low because the dude can go low considering yeah. how known he is for being insanely high with his range but this just has a real bluesy it's almost like kind of howling wolf kind of like growly kind of gritty vibe to it in the vocals you know and i feel as though after listening to all these albums like yeah it's really impressive to hear him hit those soaring highs but when he lays into his lower register there's a real grit in there that I feel he could have used a hell of a lot more and yeah. very, and to great effect too. Cause this song to me fucking lands yeah. and, and really closes out the album in a really strong way. I, I feel like that's, a, that's a testament to how strong of a vocalist, uh, uh, Rob Halford is not just because he can sing all these different things, but he seems to be a guy that knows what's appropriate and, yeah. and, and brings that to a song and this is just one of those cases, so yeah, definitely. I, I'm on board with that all the way. I, Rob, do do more lows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's okay with that now that he's older. He'll do some more lows. <laughs> this is where he decides. Oh, some dude on a podcast somewhere on the internet <laughs> told me not to not to scream anymore. So uh, I guess I'm I guess I'm low again now. <laughs> But yeah, that Wouldn't is. Wouldn't it be um, nice to have that kind of influence? It would be. It would be <laughs> lovely. <laughs> but yeah, that is uh, Hellbent for Leather. Okay, so on to my number ten. And even though this album is now in the top ten, I feel from what I've seen out there in the metal public, um, <laughs> this is the album where I put it here, and people's comments will be like, "What?" Why did you put that album so low, man? You don't even know what you're talking about, man. I'm um, looking forward to this. <laughs> num- number 10, Painkiller 
from what? 19. See what I'm saying? What? See what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> now, before I begin, if I was rating just the song Painkiller, this would be uh, maybe number one. <laughs> because... <laughs> Painkiller is an exceptional song. It, as we were talking about them kicking open the door on an album, and um, as as they would as they would say later on in the album, they had all guns blazing, like right from the get go. So, yeah. Painkiller for me, um, I remember when this album came out. It's one of the few albums that we're talking about that prior to me doing my deep dive into Judas Priest, I, I had already heard this album. I, I knew it fairly well. And um, like I said, I love the song Painkiller. It is, I loved it when it came out. I remember seeing the video on Headbangers Ball and being like, this is Judas Priest? Like they're doing metal? Like that was the weird <laughs> thing is that everyone talks about Judas Priest like, oh, they everyone knew they were a legendary metal band. I'm like, no, I was a metal fan. And I heard that song and went, I didn't know they played metal. <laughs> so, and um so that song's great and um it really when you compare um the prior album which was ram it down and this one it's almost like a slightly different band like they took a little bit of a turn with painkiller and got more aggressive and heavier yeah. and um that is a to me that is a good thing with this album because going through and listening to a band's discography i love the peaks and valleys and the different styles and things that they incorporate and getting to this album that right at the beginning, I'm like, Oh, this is cool. I, I get, you know, why this album was such a big deal and why a lot of people love this album. Um, but just like you said, with the last album, you go from painkiller to hell patrol. And that is a huge step down in song quality. Um, it's not a bad song. You've just gone from an amazing track to a pretty good one. And um, that is the problem with the whole album to me, is that there's a whole lot of good songs and only a couple amazing songs. And so it's it feels weird um, because it's not necessarily anything to do with the performances of the band because they all sound good. But it's just, it's pretty uneven. Um, and on top of that, I don't know why the production has to be so treble heavy. Like, like it's not, not like stained class where there's no bass, but it's like, it, it's, it's one of those things where I'm, listen, I'm listening to it on headphones that increase the bass. And all I hear is the cymbals going like the whole time. It's <laughs> and the guitars. There's too much, tre there's, there's, it's not beefy enough. Like I like that takes away from the album too. Is is it 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 feels like they 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 turned up the the high end and didn't turn up the low end in the process. And it, I don't know. It, it it's really kind of annoying to listen to when it comes to that. And then probably my other big gripe is I feel like somebody came to them and said, "Hey." If you want people to think you're a metal band, you need <laughs> you need to have double kick on all the songs. 
Yeah, I will say it is double kick right the way through. And when you get to a song like Leather Rebel, it literally takes away from the song where there's a part that does not even need double kick, but the drummer is so do 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 do. And I'm just, okay, dude, uh, just chill out. Because there's, there's, there's open chords and there's a melody being sung and it's still the goddamn double kick. But I guarantee you, all of the metal dudes out there, that's what they love about this album. It's real metal because there's double kick all the way through it. If only they had included blast beats, then this would be the best metal album ever made. <laughs> and so the, it's things like that that make me feel like I'm not a metalhead. And then, you know, but I, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like I expect more. And um, I really do think that there's a lot of, like I said earlier, recycled sounding riffs, which um, it, it, it's not just from, I mean, I guess I could say that now because this album is now 30 years old, but I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of the things I was hearing, other bands were already doing them. Like, that's the thing, is that this is 1990. All this heavier music was already happening. This is still yeah. a very light album when it comes to what was going on in 1990. And it, it, it just feels a little bit like um, they were... <sighs> this feel, So, like I said earlier about... Uh, Angel of Retribution, it didn't feel like they were running away from what they did previously. This feels like they're trying to distance themselves from Turbo and ram it down and yeah. and <laughs> trying a little bit too hard to do it. And, and the, songs aren't, the, songs, the songs aren't good enough. So I think this album is one of those that has gotten overhyped over the years, but I think that it's because of the strength of the song Painkiller. Like if you put this album on and you play that song, you are ready to get your ass kicked for 40 minutes or however long this album is. But um, it just doesn't do it for me all the way through. To be completely honest, the other song that really does it for me is A Touch of Evil, which has fucking keyboards in it. And it's, and it's, not, it's, not, a, it's not a really heavy song, but I, I like the vocals in that song especially. Like I, um, I can't deny that, you know, this the band is really good at what they do. That's why this album is at number ten and not lower, because it is it, it does have a classic quality to it. There's something about this album that even though uh, uh, when I'm picking apart the things I don't like in order to put them in an order, it, it feels like there's a lot of you know sort of uh, metal by numbers kind of things on it. But <laughs> in the end, though. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't turn away from the album and go, okay, it's a piece of shit. It's not. It's, it's a very strong album. Um, but where we're going from here, in my opinion, which the the fact that there's two albums that I mentioned a little bit ago that I haven't talked about yet, and the fact that I have those higher than Painkiller, um, yeah, I holy think, shit. I think people, <laughs> people are going to, uh, they're going to come at me with the pitchforks now, sir. So you're, you're safe. But I just, well, I'm, I just I'm think... not going to claim I'm not going to claim to be 100% innocent, but I will say <laughs> that I will say that my placing of um, painkiller is not in this episode. Okay. And I but I totally get that. <laughs> this is an album where I absolutely understand that people love it. It's just in in my journey 
through Judas Priest, this was one where it didn't have enough going for it to hold it above, you know, pretty much everything that happened prior to it. So, um, yeah, there you go. Number 10, Painkiller. I don't know why I sang it like that. That's not how the song goes. <laughs> I, made, I made a totally... Painkiller! Pain <laughs> <laughs> Can we just take a moment as well to appreciate how fucking shamelessly badass the artwork for that album is? Yeah. What is it? This, like, robot knight riding on a fucking cyborg dragon motorcycle which breathes fire and has buzzsaw blades for wheels l doing a fucking jump over a burning skyline <laughs> that's being devoured by lava with the judas priest logo like tuning fork thing emerging from the lava and it's just like artwork wise that is if if someone asked me what is the epitome of a metal album cover yeah that is the archetype every um like traditional metal tryhard has to look at this examine this image and then pretty much like make music that sounds like that looks <laughs> so don't so in by so wouldn't you think though saying all of those things that this is metal overcompensation on this, <laughs> on this album cover it's I, it's <laughs> it's too it's it's a little bit too much i love it because i like that kind of shit oh, but yeah. it's almost like the album cover is saying um you will love this album <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's not even giving you a choice <laughs> It's just like, if you're into metal, you will love this album. You won't even remember the songs, but you will remember the album cover. Me personally, I think it was just serious damage control for the people that they lost with their hair metal era. Like, it is, you know, you can tell that they wanted the artwork to reflect. Like, I th they tried that with Ram It Down, but Ram It Down's artwork and Ram It Down's music is like, you know, not discrediting the music. I'm just saying... You put it on, and it's a pop metal album. Yeah. But the artwork would insinuate, ram that fucker down. Like, it's a f giant steel fist slamming into a planet, which is just as over the top, really. But, yeah, like, the, the duo of those album covers, one reflects the sound a lot better <laughs> I, I would i would agree with that but to be fair when i hear the title ram it down i don't really it doesn't i don't think of metal <laughs> yeah true <laughs> i think of i think of naughty things happening <laughs> which fits it a little more definitely cool so we are at number nine number nine number nine cool so i've got here at number nine mm -hmm. redeemer of souls Okay, so this I is the, this is this is the I think this is the widest difference so far in our albums because I think this was my number sixteen or something like that. It was it was it was way down there. Yeah, it was in it was in the first first half of the first <laughs> episode. So yeah, yeah. Um, I will say this is the first proper listening of this album that I've actually given it uh because when i was into judas priest it was before this album came out and then by the time it came out i was kind of deep into the grunge thing so i wasn't listening to as much like uh metal at the time 
as well i suppose like this kind of era of metal so um i actually you know it was dan who i do the other podcast with that told me you gotta you gotta stick on redeemer of souls because that was the first it was it was his first priest album so um he said stick it on and we did a listening party together through uh messenger he was like oh wait for this part wait for this part oh cool <laughs> but yeah i'm gonna go into my track by track as as i do cool. as i do so finally on this lovely podcast i do with you my friend so <laughs> <laughs> cool so uh dragonaut mean guitar tone right off of the bat uh it does feel like a mixture of vintage and modern tone and it feels like a painkiller deep cut um I can definitely hear in the production that they were going for a, a vintage kind of feel. Um, despite the fact it came out in 2014, it does feel like they were like, oh, Painkiller was received well. Let's do another one of those. <laughs> but yeah, um, we also got to remember that this is after Nostradamus, which was a bit of a flop. And six years had passed in that time. And KK Downing is no longer in the band, but you know, Richie Faulkner does a damn good job. Um, so then you get the title track, you know, again, gives off those painkiller vibes. Um, reminiscent of Hell Patrol, which is coincidentally, or perhaps intentionally, also track two on the album. Uh, Judas Priest have fully embraced the power metal sound at this point, too. Um, then you get Halls of Valhalla, which <laughs> that that in itself, you know... <laughs> Epic riffing, great chorus, banger of a track. You know, you can tell that the production has been made to feel like a classic Priest record. You know, the solo was pure power metal. And the bridge where Rob goes from Gregorian chant mode to an epic high note was really cool. Um, Then you get Sword of Damocles, big grooving, epic sounding track, great melodies, huge chorus, cool spooky bit in it too. (laughs) And then you get March of the Damned, uh, which, you know, to me was kind of a weaker point. It sounded like a modern Motley Crue track played yeah. by Judas Priest. Can I, um, can I stop you and ask you a question and, and answer me honestly? When, especially when you look at this album, Redeemer of Souls, The Halls of Valhalla, Sword of Damocles, March of the Damned. Do you think that they come up with these song titles before they ever write the songs? I have a, <laughs> I have a suspicion that they were like, that's a cool name for a song. Yeah. That's right. Someti- sometimes it's just so on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, what are some metal titles? Well, I've got these. Let's narrow it down. All right, cool. Let's write a song that fits the halls of Valhalla. <laughs> Although that being said, lyric- lyrically, subtlety has never been a thing in Judas Priest. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I don't know why I'm holding them up to that standard, but <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, March of the Damned sounds like a modern Motley Crue track. Um, you can tell it was designed to be a single. Um, not a highlight for me personally, but yeah. And then you get Down in Flames, which, you know, this feels more in keeping with the record again, bringing that traditional metal with a power edge to it that they went for on this record. And, you know, pretty much every record following Painkiller, to be honest. Um, <laughs> then you get uh, Hell and Back, the fucking snare drum on that song does give me a hard on it i can't lie you know and it's laying back on that groove it's so fucking dirty and heavy i i do like helen back uh cold-blooded 
manages I like that one. Manages to straddle the line of old school priest and modern metal. There's a great solo in it too. Uh, then you get Metalizer, which is you know double kick time. <laughs> it's pretty epic. Uh, Crossfire, oof. You know there's some swagger. Um, not something we usually hear from Judas Priest after the seventies. You know, um, it's a real groovy one. Then you get Secrets of the Dead. We, yeah, now that I'm reading these fucking song titles <laughs> out, I'm really noticing it now. You know, it it does sound rad though. It's it's slow and doomy. You know, I like it. Battle cry, epic metal barreling towards, you know, towards you with this double kick attack. Awesome riffs are plenty, and Rob doing what he does best. Uh, then beginning of the end. Uh, closing track to the album, um, excellent ballad, totally nailed it on this one, but I know we said no bonus tracks, but I feel as though since they were recorded for those sessions, I included the five on the end as well, mainly because Dan pressured me into it and said, dude, Snakebite is a great fucking song. The album is already an hour long. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, you know, Snakebite should definitely have been on on the record. And in my opinion, you know, you know how you're a major fan of like soundtracks from like the late eighties and early nineties having like uh, yeah, the rock totally. song in it. Um, Snakebite sounds to me like it could have been in an action movie from the late eighties and early nineties when there was always the rock slash metal track in the movie. Um, I could definitely, you know, see it being used to great effect in that setting. Uh, which tears- is which is funny because I'm immediately my brain goes to because I'm all like, did did they were they ever in an action movie? No, they did a song for the movie Johnny Be Good with Anthony <laughs> Michael Hall. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get oh. to that one. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And then you get Tears of Blood. Um, you know, anyone else get Hellion Electric Eyes? vibes with this track you know i i like it but you can definitely tell it's a callback uh then you get creatures evil and theatrical pretty campy metal track uh bring it on hard rock <laughs> mode activate and then, okay they're, they're, okay they, there's got to be some sort of punishment for a metal band any metal band doing a song called bring it on yeah if, in, in, unless you're new metal <laughs> other than that it's time for punishment come it's on time for the, it's time for the painkiller to come out i mean seriously <laughs> and then f- finally if if you followed the extra five tracks at the end of the album you get never forget which you know lighters in the air emotional ballad not a dry eye in the house it's a nice it, to me it's a nice way to end the album and i, and I feel like you know Judas Priest doing those kind of tender moments it does land well you know because they're one of those bands that can pull off a, a really heavy thing like Painkiller but still be melodic enough to get away with doing something like this so so were these were these five songs an EP on their own or were they always just bonus for this album I think it was an EP but they tacked it on as a deluxe edition okay okay but uh yeah Dan, Dan pretty much held a gun to my head and said, "Hey, you're including these tracks because I love them too." Well, um, you know what? I'll I'll let it slide this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? I had a fun little experiment the other day just before we continue. Um, you know how um, 
the bonus tracks and all of the remasters are pretty much I think most of them were recorded in the turbo sessions because it was going to yeah. be a double album uh but so I took the ones that would have been on ram it down and I tried to see where the songs um fire burns below and thunder road would have gone and thunder road's a pretty cool song but uh yeah I just felt felt like I wanted to shout that one out cuz cool. uh yeah anyway uh that we'll, is we'll get we'll get to that era of uh of music <laughs> not yet though are you are you done with uh, this one I'm done with redeemer of souls yeah okay so um the the next one is is yet yet again one that people will get the pitchforks out for but I feel better because you had this album way lower than I did I think I know um, which one this is Yes, we're going to be talking about British Steel hey. from 1980. So like I said earlier when we started this episode, once you get past me talking shit about Loch Ness, um, <laughs> my my gripes are real sort of nitpicky because I'm trying to figure out how to order these albums. So I do think overall British Steel is a overhyped album. Only because it has this status of if you're going to listen to Judas Priest, then you need to listen to British Steel. And I think that that's wrong. Yeah, I, I agree. think that it's a very good album. And I feel like maybe in the story of the band, it was a very important album for them. Because, um, I mean, it got them some hits off of it. And um, I don't know. It's a strong album overall. To me, the album has a very good production. Um, it's very, it sounds like 1980 to me, but it, but it's enjoyable. And I think that's a, a quality that a lot of these albums have that even if the songs aren't as strong as on another album, sometimes the vibe of it is just really enjoyable to listen to. And British Steel seems to have a lot of vibe going on. Um, uh, I have to say that since we've been comparing a lot, and it, I think it says something about Judas Priest, the fact that we can take their songs and go, this sounds like an, another band. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Rapid Fire um, sounds like Motorhead. It sounds like a Motorhead yes. song that they just decided to write. And so... That could have easily been a Lemmy, Lemmy track. Pounding yeah. the world! <laughs> yeah. And... and, and Really like because so I'm going by the apparently there's a different track listing in the U.S. But fuck that I'm going by OG and it starts hey. with Rapid Fire, which which uh, Rapid I Rapid Fire to me is a much better intro than Breaking the Law. Breaking the Law is is a mid album track at the most, but um, so yeah. So this is the album where I feel like they have fully embraced being a metal band while at the same time realizing that they also want to reach a broader audience. Yeah. And you can hear the push and pull of that on this album. Um, I really think that up until this point, this seems like the most sort of straightforward with all of the songs. Like it seemed like albums prior, there was, there was lengthier songs and sometimes there were songs that, um, had different vibes and there was moods and there was an ebb and flow to the album. I feel like this, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of got its mission and doesn't stray too far from it at any point. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about living after midnight, which I think could be a kiss song. 
Um, <laughs> For sure. But I do, I do really like that song. I mean, who could not like Living After Mid? That's just a, I don't know. You, you, you have to check your pulse if that song comes on and you don't have a good time. It's just a, <laughs> a really great rock song. I, had, I have um, a funny story about Living After Midnight. Okay, go ahead. I, I, I managed to get it played at like a, a, a family get together, like a family reunion one time. It was like a, it was like a wedding anniversary at uh, the uh, local like village hall or whatever it is. Um, it's kind of like a, a, a working men's club, as, as mm-hmm. it's known. Uh, but we there's a dance floor in there and there's a disco setup and everything. And you know, mostly they were playing stuff like ABBA and you know status quo and stuff like that uh kind of playing up to the to the generation of people that are you know are generally in the room and then there's me and a couple of hell raising individuals i think we we must have been about like 14 we were like hey uh let's go talk to the guy and see if he's got any priest. <laughs> and and we, we just thought it'd be really funny if he did. And we went over expecting nothing. And then come to find out he did have Living After Midnight. So I was like, stick it on, stick it on. <laughs> it was like, they'll love it, they'll love it. Stuck it on. And everybody was like, who put this on? And then there's just me and my cousin in the corner just there like fucking Beavis and Butthead in the corner. <laughs> Yeah, no. I I feel like if you're in a status quo, you could like live in after midnight. I don't think that's a huge jump. Yeah, I know but, it's weird. Uh, I, I thought it was strange as well because like, I I suppose like unless they knew it, unless they like actively knew the song, they were like, huh? Yeah. What what's that now? <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, um. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's, all, that's always good to like to when you're a kid to somehow get get the metal into a situation where there normally wouldn't be any metal. Yeah. That was always, that was always very fun. I, I know this is not on the topic at all, but it's on the topic of your story. Um, in, I was at a junior high school dance, which was in 1991. Ooh. And, um, so th- I, I had to have been in eighth grade, I believe at that point. And we, we managed during a, it's a, it's a dance where, all they're playing is pop music and 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 hip hop music of the time for the most part, and we talked the DJ into playing Enter Sandman, hey. <laughs> which is which is that's not a party song at all, and it, and it cleared the dance floor where it was literally just me and like five or six of my friends headbanging in the middle of the floor while everyone else <laughs> went to go get food or whatever. But it, whatever, it was fine. Yeah. We felt like, you know, we felt like we, we all of a sudden were welcomed at the dance. Um, but yeah, <laughs> a similar story. That's a fucking awesome story, dude. I love stuff like that. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, back on to British Steel, um, which, uh, which, you know, it, 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 to, to compare those two, British Steel has a black album kind of uh, aura to it when, you, when you're talking about albums that broke bands big. Yeah. Um, I feel like British Steel was that album. But I do feel, so I was talking about them kind of having that weird juxtaposition between, um, hey, you young metal guys, we are also metal. And then at the same time, they're also like, hey, you other people out there, we can write songs you might like too. And so because of that, I feel like it's less adventurous and at times it's a little bit meh with, yeah. with some of the songs, even though it's very enjoyable. But um, I really do think that overall, it's an album that I think gets a lot of credit 
for you know a couple of really great songs and a cool album cover and album title because i mean that's a great album title on its own british steel that just sounds like an album i want to listen to oh totally and uh and and i love the album cover i don't know it that that is one uh, that's an iconic album cover to me that might be my favorite judas priest album cover just the simplicity of a hand holding a razor and it says jude i don't know there's, it's something so so inspired to to me. Like I feel like the album cover is almost better than the than the album. <laughs> like it, as opposed to Painkiller, where it's overkill a little bit. This, it it just it feels very cool. Like it looks like a very cool album. See, uh, and, my, I, and I guess oh, go ahead. Sorry, now you you go first. I was, I was just going to chime in with the artwork there. I was just going to say that I, I feel like that's that's what this album is. This al- it's not an amazing album. It's a cool album. It's you put it on, you're like, all right, yeah, I'm down with this, but it doesn't blow me away the way things we will get to blow me away. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, um, my favorite Judas Priest artwork is, you know, set painkiller aside. My my favorite artwork would be the trilogy of screaming defenders and turbo with that really cool i think i think his name was doug i think his name's doug johnson i mm-hmm. looked i looked into it because uh fun another fun story uh i think when i was in like i suppose what you would call a, a sophomore year uh it's year eight over here um i was doing an art project uh, and we were told to pick an artist and uh, study them and, and look at you know what they do. And I thought, oh, this is a golden opportunity to look at some album covers and, and, and pick whoever did those. And then I, the most consistent I looked at were the trilogy of Screaming, Defenders, and Turbo. And I just thought, who's the guy that did this? Because clearly it's all the same guy. It's the same art style. And uh, I did a I did a project on uh, that kind of stuff. But see, yeah. I, see, I really do think that Screaming for Vengeance and Turbo they're they're very similar. If you look at them, the style yeah. of them, they're very similar. I've always thought we'll, we'll get to Defenders of the Faith, but that album cover, I've always been like, what the fuck is going on in this album cover? It's I can't. <laughs> I, it's like it. it it, I, we'll we'll get to it later, <laughs> but I, I can't even believe it's the same dude. Except for the, I do see the the diagonal line kind of thing. He likes doing that a lot. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but yeah, no, I love I love I think British Steel is easily my favorite album cover of theirs. Cool, nice. So I guess that brings me to my number eight. Yes, sir. Uh, so my number eight, I've gone for Angel of Retribution. Okay. Hey, we got a twofer in this uh, episode. Hey, have we have we matched up so far in this? We in only this? matched up once with um, "Sad Wings of Destiny." That's the only album that I think we had as the same number, or maybe one after the other. Maybe it wasn't a match. Maybe it was just one after the other. I think it was. I think that one was a match. I don't know if we've if we've said any of the same albums yet in this episode. Have we? No, I don't know. I don't think Damn. so. Which is which is testament to how diverse Judas Priest's music and fans' tastes are. Totally. I, I mean, I'm willing to bet we could have five other people on this podcast, and they would have a completely different list too. Totally. And when you got the benefit of nearly 20 albums as well, there's opportunity for stuff to be all over the place. Yeah. But um, yeah, 
Okay, so I'm just going to jump straight into my track by track, being cool. as you, being as we talked about Angel earlier. So Judas Rising, you know, it, it conjures that victim of changes thing right at the start with that fade in, harmonized lead guitar intro, and uh, really shows that the Halford lineup is is back. You know, um, deal with the devil, damn fine metal song. You know, I love that song. Uh, the the riff. It's just so fucking good. Um, I've got my my note here for Revolution is going down the mountain. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, if you listen to the riffs, they're so similar <laughs> to um, Mountain Song by uh, Jane's Addiction. But yeah, it, you know, it's a cool song, but I can't not think of Mountain Song being a better song when I hear it. And I, I whenever Revolution comes on, I'm thinking to myself, I could be listening to, listening to mountain song right now, <laughs> but um, I, I wonder. I wonder. Well, no, I know. I don't know. There's a part of me that goes. Do, do, are, are are Judas Priest even aware of of Jane's addiction? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, are they? I mean, maybe they are. Yeah, it, like it's possible, but is it? Like, <laughs> like because it is. It they are within like the hard rock metal genre, but they're on a totally different end of it. I just feel like if you listen to what what Judas Priest was doing when Nothing Shocking came out, <laughs> it's yeah. very different. Yeah, very different. True. <laughs> um, and then you get uh, Worth Fighting For, which, in my opinion, is probably one of the most boring Judas Priest songs. In my opinion, did did you did you miss that part? <laughs> No, yeah, I, you, I, I, I think I missed a tiny bit. My, my earbud fell out. But, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, worth fighting for doesn't do much for me at all, to be honest. It's, to be honest, it could be my least favorite Judas Priest song. Like, wow, and you're, we're, we're talking about an album that has Loch Ness on it, so I, that's, <laughs> that's a bold statement. To, to me, worth fighting for just doesn't have really any energy to, to, to me being being quite honest it's it's a very yeah. kind of plodding with no real climax kind of thing going on it you know the the duo of revolution and worth fighting for is a real lull in the album for me personally but then you get fucking demonizer which is way further up my alley you know double kick nasty riffs fuck to the yeah you know and the out <laughs> the outro with demonizer like going on like fucking rob just doing the really gnarly kind of high screams that he does that's um, another that's another reason why i think they come up with song titles first because a lot of times the course of the song always ends with him just singing the name of the song yeah <laughs> you know so uh i mean i get that happens a lot. I get, it's not just judas priest i know that but it's uh they do that a lot where they where they they sing just the word and that's the, <laughs> that's the refrain or whatever. I will say probably the biggest example that I can think of off of the top of my head for a band that says the name of the song in the song is Dokken. I implore, <laughs> I implore you to find a single Dokken song where they don't say the title in like the main part of the song. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I'm re- I'm thinking about Dreams as the first song I thought of. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, where where am I? Where am I at? I'm on Wheels of Fire. You know, yeah. this this song is like your straight up 
Chad alpha as fuck song. You know, you look cool listening to this. You know, you could be the biggest dweeb on earth and your package would grow by at least three inches with this song on. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Angel, beautiful. Love this song. I love the guitar solo that comes in. It's really melodic. I, I absolutely love it. Um, Hell Rider, I love for pretty much the same reason as Demonizer, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, um, Eulogy, is this like weird symphonic track? No loud guitars, you know, just haunting and dark, which, you know, is, is cool. But then you get it's 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 the it's the interlude or whatever that's leading you in yeah to to Loch Ness. So if if you combine Eulogy and Loch Ness, that's fifteen minutes of, of album. Yeah, and Eulogy really is is an interlude. But then you get the thirteen minute long epic closing track, Loch Ness, which I actually have in my notes is Doom Metal. Anyone? <laughs> Well, that's that, why I'm saying it. It yeah. reminds me of when, uh, when, when Sabbath came back with that last album, and every yeah. song was just so plodding and repetitive, and it's like <laughs> Sabbath were just doing old Sabbath riffs that other bands did, and now this is the same thing, where it's just this riff that is not interesting enough to be played over and over again. But <laughs> but then again, I'm not a very big doom metal fan because I think a lot of those bands are guilty of of sabbath um, worship <laughs> well that, not just that but just um sacrificing interesting songwriting for just a vibe which a vibe is fine every once in a while but if that's your only thing or if you're if you're doing it for too long it's i'm just like i'm out man i'm gonna go get a beer <laughs> <laughs> i'll be honest actually i've been kind of drawn to doom recently you know I've, it's it's a genre that I haven't really explored, but I've been feeling the kind of vibey kind of stuff recently. And there's there's a band called Mono Lord that I've listened to a lot of recently. Yeah, I've I've heard them. Yeah, I, don't, I guess I don't smoke enough weed. Maybe if I did, <laughs> I'd be a little more into it. It's only because I don't I can't find a dealer around here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I I all I do is drink. To be honest, so yeah. Yeah, me too. Beer. Beer, <laughs> beer. <laughs> but um, yeah, just just cycling on back to Loch Ness. Loch Ness could have been a really cool, really, really cool song to me. You know, like I said earlier, you could slice seven or eight minutes off of this song and it would not suffer. You know, it would probably do it a world of good. In actual fact, I might set aside some time this week to, you know, do a little bit of a radio edit myself and see if I can cut it down. I I mean I'm but they have to I guess I mean it's it's long because I think there's a a story in the lyrics or whatever. Yeah, but most but, of it doesn't but, have vocals. It's just a I, doom I, riff. <laughs> I mean, I ch I checked out halfway through. Like this was one where I was like looking at other stuff and I was you know looking at at wall fixtures and being like, oh, that's in I never looked at that for today. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'm 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 being a little bit cruel to to Loch Ness because it's not awful. It's I think on this album it's awful. Just look at the craftsmanship in these door jams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's um, I agree. Too long, but the parts that are good are really good to me at least. But um, yeah, that is my number eight. Angel of Retribution. 
Cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, apparently I liked it too. It's, it was on this same episode, so it's in my midsection of albums. Um, so yeah, but w- so we're on eight. I'm my eight now, right? Number yes. eight? Yeah. Okay. So it, it, this really gets to a point where, um, there's a lot of great albums I, I, that I can't argue, you know, you get into these things and sometimes there are albums that I think are classic albums and they're, kind of just assigned that status and people just go along with it. But I have to say, at least I would say from here on out, it's either albums that I really like or albums that I heard and went, yeah, I can't fucking deny this. And um, <laughs> my number eight is uh, Screaming for Vengeance. Hey. Uh, from 1982. And um, I really think that... Um, a, my, a big problem for me with this album is per, the production is good, but to me, um, British Steel and Point of Entry sound better than Screaming for Vengeance, uh, sonically speaking. Wow. And, um, but that's, that's a minor gripe, once again. It's me looking for things in order to order these albums because there is a really good energy on Screaming for Vengeance, and... Um, I think like you said for a different album I with Screaming for Vengeance I feel like this is what British Steel should have been. Yeah. Um I feel like it's a much better version of that. Um and it's uh I mean I I I would have to say that a uh, a weak point on the album is the most famous song from the album. You've got another thing coming. I think that that's kind of a whatever song. I don't think it's amazing. Um, but the thing I like about this one is that sometimes they go for the more metal tracks and then they have the variety of the sort of more hard rock and other kind of vibes. Um, this is the album where, um, uh, the, the heavier tracks I think actually stand out more to me because I do enjoy the more mid tempo things, but the, the heavy tracks are really strong. Yeah. On this album, especially the song Screaming for Vengeance. Um, it's a fucking great song. Um, I just I feel like there's not a whole lot of weaknesses in this album. There's a couple of, of things here and there, I guess. Uh, Bloodstone's a great song. Bloodstone! Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I really I really like that. And I guess that's not necessarily metal. It's 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 got a good groove to it. Um, I really do think that overall, like I, I didn't have a lot to say to, to pick apart with this album, but listening to it in succession, is that the right word? Yeah. Um, from British steel point of entry. And then this one, um, this one, um, it didn't, it didn't build upon those two in the way that, I would hope that it would. While I do think it's better than British Steel, um, clearly I don't think it's better than Point of Entry because we haven't talked about that album yet for me. <laughs> <laughs> but but this is an album where I, I, as I'm listening to it, every single song I go, I really get why this is some Priest fan's favorite Priest album. I, I absolutely understand that. Um, it just wasn't my favorite. So here it is at number eight. Fair enough. I, w- I will say production wise this to me 
is the album that signals that 80s Judas Priest has arrived. Because the thing is, British Steel, sonically, sounds very similar to Killing Machine, that kind of era, you know. Um, Maybe a tad more polished, but it's it's still very much within that same style. And to me, Point of Entry sounds like they took the poppy side of British Steel and made a whole album of that. Yeah. And then you've got this one, which has a complete overhaul of the band's sound. You know, the reverb on the drums is much higher. You know, everything is produced to be bigger. They've, you know, gone for a different art style that is very, you know, sleek and uh, just generally 80s looking, you know? Um because I, I yeah I, I do think though with all of those albums that you mentioned though um i would say starting with maybe killing machine killing machine british steel point of entry screaming for vengeance to me those four albums even though you can't there there are things that set them apart from each other i feel like it was them trying different things with the same soup you yes know, it's like you know same kind of ingredients they're just trying different things with them and so i feel like that's a that's an era that ends up kind of running its course with screaming for vengeance. Yeah, they kind of landed on a formula with this one. And this is this is kind of why I I I think if I'm correct if I've got my metal history right, this album is the one that broke them through to the US. Screaming oh, it for... wasn't British Steel that broke them over here? I mean, I was re- I was too young to know. I I think I think their commercial breakthrough in the US was in 82 with So it must um, it must have been an, another thing coming that was yeah, a big Yeah that that song was uh which uh, which funny enough if if I remember right um that phrase you've got another thing coming is is actually incorrect like it's an incorrect phrase that is continued on as an as a norm now that it's really? incorrect yeah, because I believe the original saying is like it goes like this: If you think I'm gonna let you get away with that, you've got another think coming. It's supposed to really? be think. You've got another think coming, but somehow <laughs> it got it got bastardized or whatever you want to call it, and it got changed to you've got another thing coming. Which, when you think about it, what does that even mean? Another thing? I guess that could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, what kind of thing do I have coming? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's another one, another one of those. <laughs> so I think it makes more sense when you say another think, because even in the even in the, the lyrics, if yeah. you think oh, I'll let it go, you're mad. You've got another think coming. You'd be like you'll think again. It's supposed to be like <laughs> think again. And so it's weird that like it's become a norm now. Nobody says you've got another think coming. And I'm not going to start doing it just to be one of those assholes. The, 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 the um, actually, <laughs> I'm not going to be one of those people. We so need I, one of those, I'm just not going to say it at all. We need one of those, um, the more you know, stars just go over the top. <laughs> right on. So we're at number seven, yeah? Number seven. Last one of the episode for both of us. Okay. So my number seven my number seven. Do it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I I'm, I'm excited because of the albums that we haven't talked about yet. It's this. I'm excited. Okay. Well, my number seven. The top pick for the middle portion of our series on Judas Priest. 
the most the most middlest of middle albums. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is, number seven, Jugulator. Okay, all right. So, I, I was wondering when this one was going to pop up. So cool. <laughs> so this is the first album that they did with uh, Tim Ripper Owens, and good lord, is it heavy? Oh you yeah. Know, seven, seven years have passed since Painkiller at this point, but. You can tell in that time how drop tuned and heavier, you know, metal got, especially with bands like Pantera, Machine Head, and bands like that really pushing this groove element throughout the 90s. By the time you land on 1997, you know, new metal is kind of kicking off, but Judas Priest wouldn't really fit with new metal. So. The the groove element is much more prominent here. And so I'm just going to go straight into it. So Jugulator mm-hmm. is the scariest intro to a Priest album ever. I don't even care that Rob isn't present for this release. He went and did Fight, which was cool. This is heavy, and Ripper does an excellent job on vocals. Um, almost feels like death metal with uh, power metal vocals. Yeah, you know, and Jugulator is another one of those tracks right out of the gate, a ripper. Yeah, and you know, I will say though that a production gripe for me personally was the lead guitars are mixed weirdly loud and and in the mix, and they kind of hurt my ears. I'm not gonna lie, because <laughs> you like you're listening, you're listening to this like kind of stuff, and then it's like way too fucking loud <laughs> you might have to do some fancy mixing there i'm, I'm gonna so, I'm, I'm gonna mix that so it's even louder <laughs> <laughs> it's just like one of those one of those like ear rape memes that's like totally fucking distorted beyond all recognition <laughs> jeez um yeah before i hurt any more of our listeners ears i'm, <laughs> I'm putting a cap on that one so then you get Bloodstained, and you can tell they were influenced by this new generation of heavy bands, but they do a great job of showing that they can do it too. You know, this album could have been perfect if they didn't make the lead guitars painful to listen to. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I found myself, you know, eagerly awaiting the solo with my finger on, my, with my hands on the volume knob, thinking, "Here it comes," and drop it down a little bit and wait for the lead guitars to finish what they're doing and then turn it back up when it's gone because it fucking kills but <laughs> I, um, I, did, I didn't really notice that when i listened to it but i have to go back and check it out but it um, might have I had it, that. it might have had something to do with you know how the the album sounds on youtube you know i had to use youtube because it's not on spotify um you mean you don't yeah. own this album i i don't know <laughs> Yeah, I, it's one I haven't gotten around to actually buying. I I do need to buy it. I mean, I yeah, it's your, it's your most middleist album. You should go buy it. Definitely. You know, had had they included it in the chronology of, I've actually got the Judas Priest remastered CDs. Like it, it and it makes a little picture on the side, and it says Judas Priest along the bottom with all the albums lined up. So you have you have to collect them all in order to make got the, it- to make the picture. It's like fucking heavy metal Pokemon. Got to catch them all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, 
these song titles as well show that they're not they're really not fucking around here because you know obviously on painkiller you still got songs like all guns blazing and leather rebel and metal meltdown which are really very tame compared to bloodstained dead meat decapitate <laughs> burn in hell brain dead there's so many fucking you know they're almost like thrash uh, titles um you know you know where am or, i at or, dead uh, meat ob- obituary song titles yeah <laughs> fucking obituary i love obit- obituary i love um uh, what's his Amazing. name john tardy yeah. john tardy's vocals his vocals are insane uh, sorry i know i keep going on tangents but that's all right we can talk about obituary i love them I, I love his vocals because every single line ends with <laughs> <laughs> and like you know it, whenever he says like a line you know imagine imagine if he sang for Judas Priest it would be like breaking the or like something like that <laughs> he adds Ch- he adds a few more syllables <laughs> and vowels at the end of every word <laughs> the the comment section on chopped in half is one of the funniest things i revisit every now and again because because, he, because it's like chopped in half yeah, it's like everybody, everybody in the comments is just saying shit like that, and I think one of them is like, "Jumped in half." John Tardy's vocals make me laugh. It's like, <laughs> See, we say that now, but I, you know, I, I, when I heard that album when I was a teenager, I was like, "This, these are the best vocals I've ever fucking heard in my life." Oh yeah, they're they're fucking great, but it's it's funny when you step back and analyze how he enunciates everything yeah. with this. <laughs> we uh, that we'll have to revisit that whenever we get to obituary somewhere down the line. Oh, totally. <laughs> That's gonna be a fucking killer episode because every song our throats I'm are just... gonna be sore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I gotta I gotta reel in the tangent now. I gotta, I gotta right, get back right, to back back to jugulate. Uh, I like saying it like you more. It makes it sound like a cooler album title. <laughs> just say it like Del Preston, like. Yeah, so we were on the tour for Jugulator, and we... (laughs) We had to get 400 leather studs. (laughs) Or Ripper wouldn't go on stage that night. (laughs) I immediately want to rewrite it so it's a 90s story, so it's all like Corey Taylor. I guess Corey Taylor would be later. Fuck, I don't know. It's like, Jonathan Davis whipped around and said, there's a little sex shop on the edge of town. <laughs> this is a Wayne's World 2 tangent. I'm sorry, guys. We not even talking. You know, it's like nobody, either you know the movie or this is just complete nonsense that we're talking about here. That being said, if yes. anyone's this, if anyone's this deep into metal music that they're listening to a podcast about the meh albums of Judas Priest, <laughs> <laughs> they've probably seen Wayne's World at some point. Or they're, or, they're, or they're just hate listening because they hate it when people talk shit about Judas Priest and I've been doing a little bit of that. <laughs> Hell yeah, but that, that's, that's what makes these talks interesting. So let's, uh, okay, uh, here it is. Dead Meat. Again, really heavy song, most brutal priest album out there. You know, Death Row. I, I would agree Lord. with that. Yeah, you know, Death Row. Good Lord, it is just not letting up. Um, decapitate. You know, Pantera. Is that you? Like the, <laughs> the the tone and groove is just so fucking bone crushingly heavy on this album, and it's a shame that this album doesn't get talked about more. I mean, I know Demolition perhaps isn't nearly as good as this. 
but god damn like the ripper era deserves more recognition at least for this record because in this episode you know obviously i've got both of them in the middle section of, of my list but jugulator is five albums apart from demolition and you know songs like burn in hell you know, underappreciated doesn't even come close for that song. You know, I I love that fucking song. Um, Brain Dead is you know is obviously the new metal track. It gives off similar vibes to what Slayer would do with um, their albums around this era, but it also has some thrashy moments. Um, Abductors a bit more out there with some you know kind of vibey bits, but also keeping that groove very much alive. Uh, and then we get Bullet Train, which could be my favorite song on the album. Uh, love this song. Really laid back yet intense groove. And it's got a real nasty riff over the top of it. Um, and I love the shameless, you know, we're fucking metal <laughs> parts in the in the gang vocals. Yeah. You know, it's, and, um, and then finally you get Cathedral Spires, uh, which is a big epic closer. Great song. Real dynamic. You know, I love it. And the heavy parts are heavy. But my only gripe with this album is its cover. Because if you look at the album cover and the original artwork that it was meant to come with, it's pixelated because they didn't resize it properly. And this is late 90s, so, you know, computers are still, still kind of figuring it out. And I feel like they made a big fucky-wucky with the artwork on this because the original artwork is badass. Like, it's this giant metal robot monster overlooking this hellscape. Yeah, I I saw that. And why why did they go with this zoomed-in version of it? That doesn't make any sense. I suppose maybe it was to, like, accentuate, oh, hey, the monster's really, really cool. Hey, let's, you know, get a close-up of him. But then in doing that, they just ended up pixelating it. I, I wondered why when I was looking for for uh, for images for the visual version of this podcast, I was wondering why all the pictures of this album cover are so shitty. And so I guess yeah. I guess now I know because that's the actual artwork on the album. Like how that wow. how that happened, I do not know. But yikes! Yeah, someone got fired. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that is my number seven pick and my last pick for this episode jugulator um, jug- jugulator <laughs> cool well the we're gonna for my uh number seven we're gonna do a complete 180 from Ooh. uh from jugulator and um i thought this album would actually be higher on my list but jugulator. when no oh. no no the album okay. i'm going to Oh, okay. <laughs> but when I listened to all of the albums, including some that I hadn't heard all the way through, I was like, okay, well, I, unfortunately, this one has to be the most middleest of the middle albums. And um, I'm going to go with uh, Turbo for my number seven. And, wow. Um, I, uh, I, not only do I like the song Turbo Lover, I like this whole album. Agreed. I, I have no problem with this album and I feel like it gets a lot of shit and I understand why, but I don't know. I feel like we've gone, we've come all the way back full circle now 
to where Rob Halford is back and they're doing, you know, metal songs. Yeah. It's now time for everyone to just, you know, loosen their pucker holes a little bit <laughs> and, and go back <laughs> and listen to, to Turbo. The, I, I really enjoyed this era of the band. The yeah. the 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 mid to late eighties of Judas Priest and the in, in in listening to the albums the way that I did, like I said before, when you go through those albums ending with with uh, with uh, screaming for vengeance, and then you get you know Defenders of the Faith, and then you get over to Turbo, like it, it, it something happens with their albums where all of a sudden they to me there's a it almost feels like they're just enjoying themselves. Like yeah. they're not trying so hard just to be, oh, well, we're Judas Priest, so we have to make this particular kind of music and fit these kinds of songs in. This feels way more natural. Turbo mm. feels like the album that I think they wanted to make in 1986. And that comes through in the songs and the performances. Yeah, it's very 80s sounding. The most... 80s sounding um, uh, Judas Priest album, but in the grand scheme of things, it's totally enjoyable once you get to this because it's a little bit different. It's got a shitload of keyboards everywhere. Yeah, um, key- uh, keyboards even used like you know when you think of keyboards, you, you probably think of like lead keyboards, like Final Countdown. You know, it's, you know it plays over it, but this <laughs> has like rhythm keyboards in it. Like, eh, 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 you know, it's yeah. like rhythm <laughs> keyboards on this album, and I love it. Um, it's almost like a it's almost like a synthwave album before synthwave. Yeah, was a I thing. guess you could say that. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, Turbo Lover is a great song. Locked In is is also really good. I do feel like Locked In is one of the songs on the album that if they had um, played it and produced it like the earlier albums, it would sound like an earlier Judas Priest song. But it's, it gets the turbo overhaul on here, um, but um, I really do think that there's that, that there's there's so many, and, and I guess maybe with with you along with me because we enjoy the '80s hard rock experience, including the hair bands and all of that stuff. So that's yeah. why songs like Private Property and Parental Guidance don't bother me. Like I think they're fun. I love parental <laughs> guidance. I sing that shit at the top of my lungs. That is a, yeah. by the way, this is one of the few albums that I had heard most of this album before I had already, before I came back to listen to it again. Um, songs are catchy. Um, they're just, um, uh, you, and you have to give them credit for the fact that they had a kind of a, um, a clear direction of where they wanted to go and they just stuck to it. Like this is, they're pu- not pulling any punches here. They're not like trying to make this into a heavier album. They didn't want to do it. And in the grand scheme of things, if you are talking about Judas Priest albums, I could see why this one would sit lower in a whole lot of people's lists because sure, it's not, it's not anywhere near British Steel. Um, and I guess you could say that parts of it are kind of silly. I mean, rock you all around the world's kind of dumb, 
but um, I feel like that that benefits the album though. It's got a real Bill and Ted feel to it. Yeah, it's 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 just got a lot of fun. And like, and what's the problem with having fun when you're listening to music? Why does everything got to be so goddamn serious all the time? Yeah. And um, <laughs> and honestly, even like out in the cold, out out in the cold to me is probably the least Judas Priest sounding song they ever did. And I I don't know why I love it so much. It's just so good. I really enjoy it. So. Um, as you can hear, I don't have a whole lot to say that's negative about this particular album, except for, I guess, as a as a Judas Priest album, it's it's different enough to where if I want to make the argument that I made about Demolition, where I'm all like, it doesn't even sound like the same band, it doesn't even fit, it, it just sounds like something else. I get that argument for this album, but I don't care because I have a lot of fucking fun listening to Turbo. So that's why it's my number seven. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Turbo, to me, is like they took the essence of, you know, driving a nice 80s sports car on a, on a hot <laughs> yeah. day with the top down and the wind going in your hair and they pretty much nailed the 80s sound with this album you know and i know it got hated on for being really poppy at the time but really as an 80s album it's a fucking good yeah 80s album yeah. you know it really captures the the essence of that era um and i have a fun little super 80s fact for you did you know that Reckless was going to be on the soundtrack for Top Gun? Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, totally wow. fits though. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. That's 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 pretty damn cool. Um, Hell yeah! And, and also, this is what we talked about last time. This is the era of Rob Halford where he had that slick back hairdo. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Um, fuck, I don't know. I just, I just, uh, I don't, I don't know enough about. Um, their live output, especially recently, do do they completely ignore this album live? Do they play anything off of it when they play live shows? I think it's fared better than Ram It Down. I don't think anything off of Ram It Down gets played much, but I think there's a few Which tracks on here that's a, that... That's a crime too, in my opinion. Clearly, it, I like that yeah. one because I haven't even talked about Ram It Down yet. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, I, I it's a refreshing thing to see that I actually put a post in the Judas Priest uh, subreddit uh, that said, hey, any Ram It Down fans out there? You know, because I'd consistently seen it ranked low in yeah. online lists and stuff like that. So I was like, hey, I really like this one and it gets a real bad rap. Who's with me? And, you know, I think last time I checked, there were like 37 upvotes on it. And, you know... They're out there. Ram it down has its fans. Yeah, you know? I, I, I th that's what I think is so sad about it because I, I've I've never seen Judas Priest live. I hear they're a great live band, but if I went to go see them, I would want them to play Turbo Lover along with Painkiller and Exciter. Like I I, I just yeah. feel like that would make a fucking cool show. Just like give us give us the Judas Priest story. Don't just yeah. don't just come out and be like we're metal gods. Yeah, okay, yeah, we, okay, fine. <laughs> you, you, but you weren't always. You made turbo, so fess up <laughs> and and <laughs> and play a goddamn song. Play play if they if they ever played parental guidance, I would lose my shit. I'd be like, finally, 
<laughs> and, and funny enough, like I don't I don't remember the exact year, but I do believe that this is around the time period in Judas Priest where that heavy metal parking lot movie was made. It is. Yeah, it's that tour. Yeah, so um, the, I just think about those dudes outside in the parking <laughs> lot, and and they're about to Heavy go in and rules. see this. All that punk shit sucks. That's awful. <laughs> my, on fucking Mars, man. <laughs> my favorite line that guy says is, uh, Madonna can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. She's a dick. She's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's such a fucking good... Good little thirty minute or however long it is. That's a classic. Just in that Hell one yeah. girl. What would you do if you saw Rob Halford? Oh, I'd jump his bones. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fact that the dude who's like Madonna's a dick is yeah. just head to <laughs> head to toe in zebra print. You know. Oh God, the Soaks. zebra man. Um, <laughs> Madonna. I've heard she is kind of a dick though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so we're that's that's it. That is uh, unless you have anything else to say about Turbo, but it, this is not your your uh, your pick. So Turbo is even higher for you. So that makes me happy because I um, the shit. Wow, but there's a lot of albums. That I'm then I'm so excited for the next episode. Let's just do yeah. it right now. Let's do it now. <laughs> We'll do it live. Um, so I hope everyone out there is as ex- is as excited as I am because I just have a feeling that the next episode is going to be a whole lot of fun because uh, all the albums we we're still going to talk about. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, hopefully you're still with us and um, we haven't pissed you off too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, it's I, I think that. I really do think that if you're listening to podcasts where people talk about Judas Priest albums, I think ours is a unique take. So, yeah. um, so, <laughs> so yeah. Anything to add before we go for the day? Uh, heavy metal rules. All that punk shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Belongs on fucking Mars, man. <laughs> <laughs> he starts naming off bands the circle of shit and the dicks. <laughs> I gotta uh, go watch that again. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, so heavy metal rules and all that punk shit sucks. Thank you very much for listening to Cranked and Ranked, and uh, uh, we will see you all again next episode for the top six Judas Priest albums in our opinion. So thank you for Fuck yeah. listening. Hell yeah. Um, join us then. We'll see you next week. Uh, Eddie, take us out. Fucking later, dude!